This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 179, where we're talking about Iron Fist Season 2, Episode 5, Heart of the Dragon. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. It is I, Chris, taking over control of the episode where this is Defenders TV podcast episode 179. That's right, 179, nearly 180, where we're talking about Iron Fist season two, episode five, Heart of the Dragon. I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, the illustrious producer, Derek. <laughs> I don't even get the slash seducer joke from uh, from kind of funny there, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, okay. Producer, editor, writer, podcast host, Derek. <laughs> man in control. Man pulling all the strings. Man with final say. Twiddling all the knobs. There you go. Man with final say. And, uh, and beside me, I have our other podcast host. Less illustrious, uh, more synopsis-y. It's glamorous. Yeah, glamorous. You know, Give uh, would give all those Hollywood types a run for their money. Mm. Certainly, when I've got my shades on to sort of hide my big grey bags under my eyes <laughs> and bloodshot eyes. I'll say more illuminated. I'll say I'll say that the illuminated secondary to be illustrious, Derek. <laughs> yes, uh, John. By the way, the co-host who is illustrious and second to Derek and maybe illuminated is. Your podcast host, John, <laughs> who has, like Danny Rand, been kidnapped on the air by Chris Jones. Yes. Who's leading us. Come on, leader. Yes. Fellow defenders, as usual, if you are joining us for the first time, you can get everything on our website over at DefendersTVPodcast.com. And that's all of our back issues, all of our current run. If you're joining us for our first episode Go back, you've still got four other episodes of the season to listen to our synopsis and review on. But, guys, without further ado, let's jump straight into it. Mm-hmm. Heart of the Dragon, episode five. Derek, can you give us some of the details? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the episode name for this episode, Heart of the Dragon, came from Marvel Premiere, issue number 16, the second issue that Iron Fist appeared in. In this issue, we heard the story of how Danny got his training and his powers in Kunlun, so... Really appropriate for this particular episode. Obviously, we see a lot of backstory back in Kunlun, and we see a lot of the power of the dragon that he gets. So, uh, so a really good one this time. So they didn't say how he lost his powers. No, not that way. Uh, okay, not the second. Kind of like a reverse kind of mind trick going on here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, Just, I get but it, it was definitely a lot of flashbacks to Kunlun. So, uh, so a nice twist yeah, this time. An ancient mind trick from Kunlun. Nice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Declan Debarra. I'm guessing he's Irish. Um, it's pretty likely. It certainly sounds with it. a name like Declan Debarra. Uh, he wrote ten episodes of the TV show Originals, and the other reason I think that he's Irish is because he did an animated short for TG Cahar back in uh, 2003 called On Fiach Dove, which means the Black Hunt. Pretty likely, since he wrote, directed, yeah. uh, produced, did the music for it, that he was an Irish producer at the time. So. Yeah, as with that other Netflix show, nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and if you want to hear Derek give all of his episode details for episode 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 in Irish. 
You can go over <laughs> to DefendersTVPodcast.com. I want to hear that. Well, if you want to, if you want that, you can send us an email at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com and I will willingly translate it all into Irish for you and try and pronounce <laughs> it correctly. <laughs> Google Translate has Irish, doesn't it, Chris? It does. It Good does. Stuff. <laughs> uh, this episode was directed by Marzi Alamos. Uh, second episode that Marzi Alamos that we're covering this year. Uh, she directed AKA Soul Survivor, which is season two, episode three of Jessica Jones. Um, you know, the episode where Jessica and Trish are investigating Dr. Hansen, um, where they find the body and they find the skull uh, in the basement of her building. Uh, that episode was directed by Marzi Alamos. So definitely remember that. And quite similar to the work that Misty and Colleen are doing in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we get some really good kind of detective-ish work mm-hmm. uh, throughout this episode, so the themes. And yeah, you can see it with it being a PI, but also bringing Misty in. So who knows? Maybe we'll see her a third time for Daughters of the Dragon season one. Mm-hmm. Who it, knows? Yeah, no, it, but it is really nice that kind of Misty does sort of give a nod to Colleen uh, saying, you know, okay, you know, you've got the instinct for this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Daughters of the Dragon, as you say. Coming yes. to a Netflix screen near you. I'm really hoping so. I'm really hoping so. <laughs> okay, John, so you've just given us a tease. Would you like to give us the full synopsis of this episode? Sure. Danny Rand, revived with adrenaline by Mary Walker, is bruised, battered, and bleeding. Whilst Mary looks for her payment after completing her contract for joy, Danny finds himself wandering the streets of New York. After his ordeal at the hands of Davos and the Crane Sisters, he is captured by the Rhino Gang. Meanwhile, an anxious Colleen, with the help of Misty Knight, attempts to find the missing Danny Rand. Eventually, they enlist the help of Ward Meacham and use his company's resources to find out more about the artist, formerly known as Mary. As Danny tries to escape his captors, he realises he has lost his power. Danny Rand is unable to summon the Iron Fist. But Davos can. With his new power bestowed on him by the ancient ritual, he vows to become the thing that Danny Rand could never be, the immortal Iron Fist. Using his chi, he launches an attack on the leader of the Golden Tigers and promises to take down the Triads and stop their war. Eventually, Colleen and Misty find Danny with the help of Bibi, and as he recuperates back at the dojo, they learn that Joy, Davos and Mary were all behind Danny's disappearance. At Joy's apartment, Colleen and Misty confront Joy about the events that unfolded and soon realise that they are in the presence of Mary Walker and her deadly skill set. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump straight into it with our top five points for this episode, much like the special scoring board of a fight. So starting off with point number one, Derek, do you want to take us away? Yeah, point number one for this episode, Davos Goes Clubbing. I like that name, John. Thanks for that one. <laughs> uh, great opening to this episode as Davos, with his fiery red fist, punches through a wall. What a great opening to the episode. It really felt like we are now in new territory. Uh, do you remember I said last episode that, you know, this show is called Iron Fist and that possibly now that Davos has the Iron Fist, Danny's done, the show could be his. This seemed like he was doing his opening intro for his own TV show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great opening moment. We don't see you know, what happens for him to get that, what he has to do to Danny, other than the bleeding and all that. Just having him sort of smashing down that wall, uh, really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we call it Davos Goes Clubbing, but maybe it should be 
as well, Davos goes clobbering time because <laughs> uh, he really wants to test drive this red iron fist, mm-hmm. um, you know, and really see how he can immortalize or embody that immortal iron fist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And it does take us on, as we discussed during this point, he does meet up with the Golden Tiger gang who are chasing after a guy in the street, beats them up, then goes, who are those guys? And that leads him on his new path. I love this complete difference between him and Danny Rand. Danny Rand has, has been using his powers for the last, you know, season or so to protect the streets of Chinatown. What we have here is Davos effectively laying down the law and saying, draw a line in the sand here. If you're a bad guy, I'm going to punch you until you're dead. And then I'm going to punch the next guy beside you until he's dead. And then the next guy after him. <laughs> like that shows you the fundamental difference between these two guys. He's going, I don't care whether you say I didn't do it or it's somebody else is the big boss. You're dead. I'm taking you out. It makes good TV, though. I Mm -hmm. mean, it is literally him whipping out his uh, red fist and uh, quite liking it. I mean, Mr. Ho, uh, the leader, the head of the uh, of the Golden Tigers, just the description that, you know, he has a blunt concussion on his chest that Mm -hmm. they don't know what caused that flew 50 foot across the room. And then his spine splintered and the back of his head was caved in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Davos really does like to use his, uh, his iron fist for clubbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, he looked good on the dance floor as well with, uh, <laughs> with those knives. Uh, I did like how he took out those sort of henchmen of Mr. Ho, the, the leader of the, the golden tigers. Mm-hmm. Or as we say, he got murked. I, I loved it. What Declan the writer did was really your introduction to a superhero. Mm-hmm. It's like he comes in, he saves the innocent. The innocent, as the superhero is leaving, the innocent turns around and goes, wait, what's your name? I'm the immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> Literally, if he hadn't made his voice more gravelly, I would have got, man, is that you? <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I, it was just the perfect right of shock, awe, and giggle. Absolutely. Actually, should be awe for the the wall shock for wow he's violent taking those guys out mm-hmm. and giggle for the, the joke i love when he went to the club i love the way he just surgically takes out each of the the bodyguards no quarter given yeah can i just say it was murder on the dance floor <laughs> <laughs> well for that yes you could interrupt for oh sophie alice baxter could actually get her song used in another tv show <laughs> <laughs> the veracity he does with taking out the leader of the, the tigers yeah just that punch and it, it, i was like oh that that's gonna be battered buddy and bruised and it was not till later that we find out what level of damage he actually mm-hmm. does to the corpse at this point <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though he's a different take on the iron fist for us in comparison to what we know for the Netflix shows, right? He's he's a different style of protector, if you want to, lethal protector, if you mm-hmm. will, borrowing from yeah, Venom. Definitely. I still think it was really interesting to see that he's willing to work with bad guys to better his own cause. Yeah. He spared one of the bad guys on the hope that he gets the next two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just any old person, but... That is the hairpin to the eye guy. Yes. He, he's got the eye patch. He's actually survived Mrs. Yang's hairpin going into his eyeball, which for Jews, uh, you know, I've already survived one death attempt uh, on me. 
this guy <laughs> I'm not going to mess with. I think I'll just side with him. But it's it's even before that because it's only on the second time of watching that I actually clocked that. Okay, he's got the patch over his eye. Because the first time I actually thought, is this Misty's guy who was undercover, mm. who was in the hospital uh, because of Iron Fist, Danny Rand unleashing uh, his chi at the parley? Uh, and I was wondering, is that why he? is so keen to sort of do that list and right. meet him to take down the golden tigers. Cause he's kind of like, yeah, this is, this is my way out. I can, I can get the golden tigers wiped off. You mm-hmm. know, I can get it sorted. Um, but yeah, he's definitely the survivor of the, the hairpin to the eye. Yeah, fair it is. You would have thought that would have scrambled his brains because it was quite <laughs> a long hairpin. Yeah. You would have thought, wouldn't you? But she missed all vital organs. Uh, did Mrs. Yang. Maybe that was what you wanted to do. <laughs> she is a trained hair-cutioner? Maybe. Yeah, hair-executioner, yes, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but no, I did like this one thing about Davos, just that, that feeling that I got when he said to the guy he saved, where can I find more of these when he kills the first two golden tigers or knocks the first two of them out? It felt like having the iron fist is almost like a hunger that started in him. He's been waiting for this since Danny first got it, since or his whole life, as we hear later on in the episode. Now that he has it, he's like, I am going to use it now to take out every bad guy. He's not satiated at all by those first two guys he takes out in the alley. Now he's going after all of them. It just felt like a, a real hunger thing is the way that it was being played by Sasha Duan. Yeah, exactly. And he also... In meeting Joy back at her apartment, you know, and she's kind of going, no, this is the end of our kind of relationship, our mm-hmm. partnership. You got what you wanted. You've gotten the Iron Fist. And he's like, no, this is just the beginning, Joy. I'm here to to take it further. Almost threatening her with, and you're going to be with me by my side because I know you through all the good and ill that you've done. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe not explicitly, but the fact that, you know, you're not finished with this as well. You know, what did you think was going to happen? Right. Um, okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it sounded like a threat because, I mean, ultimately, Joy just wanted to stop that that partnership there and then. Mm. You know, this is done. This is off the table. It's finished. You're, you've got your iron fist. I've got my revenge over, over Danny. But it's like... Davos is trying to maintain something here for right. some reason and involve Joy, and she's not wanting that at all. She wants to kind of go to that quiet space. I think he was kind of calling her out for a little bit of stupidity and <laughs> the way he sees it, this powerful Davos, who really is an evil kind of guy. He's kind of calling her out by saying, did you think that was actually going to be it? We made this arrangement for me to get the Iron Fist, but that wasn't going to be it. After that is me with the Iron Fist doing what I wanted to do in this city and taking out all evil. And if you stand in my way, there's going to be consequences. It's very much him kind of calling her out for thinking, we make a deal, you make Danny cry, and then we're all okay. You know, that kind of way. Okay, that definitely makes more sense. Because, yeah. I mean, I was wondering why Joy was kind of looking a little... And freaked out, um, freaked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because it was like, well, if that's it, well, then okay, fine. But she certainly feels that she features in whatever is going through Davos's head, mm-hmm. uh, just simply because, um, you know, she comes back to Mary Walker saying, you know, your read of Davos that he's potentially um, a threat, yeah, uh, could be right. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. um. 
so yeah, I, it was kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's, it's a great element to, to Davos because he's, he is a fanatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's got the weapon in which to be even more fanatical. 100%. And that's kind of when you give a fanatic increased power. But then also we find out about the the dragon rage and things like that. Mm. When you feed that into an already unstable individual, especially someone who has such a past full of turmoil and things like that, Mm -hmm. it's going to lead to a very interesting character and a volatile concoction. I think that's really interesting. And actually speaking of Davos's past, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to move us on to point two. Yeah. And I think this one is fantastic we're gonna call it mother of the serpent <laughs> had to really i never thought i would empathize with yeah. davos to a point so far he's always just been the guy well like woe is me danny beat me the loser who doesn't like to lose the loser who doesn't want to be second place mm-hmm. but now we actually find out the reason his nurturing mother if you want to call it that or Um, unnurturing mother yeah less nurturing more complete and utter nightmare well she's definitely nurturing him but just not in a great way (laughs) yeah yeah She's like fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I love this moment at the beginning. And we talked about it earlier on in the season when Davos is forced by Joy to sleep with uh, her former partner to get the bowl that he wants for his ceremony. Um, this idea of him being a monk and being forced into this position of remaining pure, remaining chaste, the whole idea of his entire life is to get the Iron Fist. That's the purpose of his life, according to this mother, that he, that's been treating him this way all the way through his training. You know, you can now see a little bit more, you know, cut through that surface that we had with Davos back in that episode where you realize how important it is and why he is the way he is because of the way he's been treated and the way he's been brought up. Um, this woman has her own ideas and is treating Davos this way, even though he's living his life alongside Danny, who's not getting these kind of lessons from people. Yeah. And the, the one line that just moved my caring to pure empathy of the character or my enjoyment of the character to pure empathy was better i were barren than you lose your birthright to an outsider Mm. yeah oh my god absolutely and she goes for the kill oh yeah and he still goes back and asks for forgiveness and we get this beautifully shot Mm. scene of davos against the door Mm mm-hmm pouring out his heart, asking for forgiveness, talking to a door. But then we get to see his mother's reaction on the other side that he never saw. That was potentially one of the most heartbreaking scenes, I think, of the two seasons so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Totally with you there, Chris. Um, That, for me, was absolutely phenomenal um, flashback scene of him on the other side of the door from his mother, and just that amazingly touching missed opportunity, even though it's through, I don't know, an oak door where their hands could have met between it, you know, you kind of almost see that softer side of her, you know, she's been quite a harsh mother in, in the other flashbacks. And I think that's what gives it even more emphasis, despite that real harshness. He wants her to love him. Mm-hmm. 
and he's giving her an opportunity to say that to him because he's going to go off and he might be um a pile of bones in foreign soil i think he yeah. the way he describes it and yet she tentatively moves to do that but ultimately is too late she may have said something who knows yeah. um but at the moment that she places her hand on that door davos's hand is being removed and he's walking away what a great flashback in really getting you to empathize um with davos and how he goes about it you know his mom talks about she doesn't even believe Danny will be the Iron Fist due to his compassion. And ultimately you see that you know, Davos is not really for compassion in, in, in what he does. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you see where he's coming from. You, you can see why he has those thoughts and it's because of how he's been brought up. Yeah. And, you know, he's disciplined because he has been disciplined, you know, the cane to the back of the hand. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really interesting. And then it just absolutely, uh, makes that third flashback so amazingly poignant he says to the first guy that he saves uh, down by the docks after you know he's just punched through the wall wearing the iron fist mask and he goes you know i've come to protect you like his view is that he is protecting them but he's just he doesn't mind killing yeah and you can see how he's got that just from his mother who's basically saying don't have compassion you know yield or die yield or die like so his mom would act absolutely have taught him to kill his opponent in that moment uh before Shao Lao in those uh challenges yeah. to become the iron fist if he hadn't been beaten by Danny. So yeah, completely agree. And it's specifically called out, isn't it, when they have that moment of the young kids, the young Danny and the young Davos are together and Danny's kinda of going, Well what if I joined the hand, would you have to kill me too? And uh Danny says I'd never do that to you, Davos and his mother arrives and goes well, Davos would kill you if that's what you do, because he will become the Iron Fist and he'll become the enemy of the hand. Therefore, you will die. It's really interesting because obviously this is the reaction that Davos has to Colleen every time he meets her is she's a hand whore. That means she's dead. You know, that's that's how he's been brought up. It's really, really good. Can I just call out the casting of these two kids that play Danny and Davos as well? The voice on the kid that plays Davos. Sasha Dewan has a very distinct voice, and this kid has nailed it in the scene. It's like as if Sasha Dewan did the lines and they upped slightly his register so he sounded younger uh, in the scene. <laughs> uh, fantastic casting. Well done. And Danny does look like young Danny Randwood, uh, this kind of blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid from America in Kunlun. Really, really good. Great to see more Kunlun flashbacks as well. Yeah, completely agree. But I want to close out this point with just saying, yeah, this is another one of my, if this particular scene could just get win an Emmy nomination, I'd put it down. Right. Like 100%. And who knows, we may even do our own Defenders Emmys, the mm -hmm. Femmys, <laughs> at the end of this season to call out. I like the Defemmys. That sounds pretty good. Um, do you know, the interesting thing on, on this flashback of Davos is, um, A, I really love the fact that they showed davos's backstory mm -hmm. i really wish that in season one there had been poignant moments with danny rand yeah because it's really interesting later on you know danny and ward are kind of bonding and danny talks about you know his mom passing away she says i love you and it's very highly charged in the sense that it's a plane crash mm -hmm. but 
there's just something about the tenderness in which that third flashback happened, which just kind of elevates it above the Danny Rand story as to how it was shown. Yeah. Like even just flashbacks of them in the home more and, and seeing her caring for, for Danny or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting. I, I really, even just seeing Danny have that flashback in Con Lun. Uh, a bit more so than what he got in season one. Um, so I think fur dues to them doing this and ultimately for doing it with Davos. I think it's really bold that the Iron Fist um, titular show uh, has this really um, great flashback that makes you have sympathy for Davos, but also really explains his motivations and yeah. where he's coming from. Yeah. It and, feels like it's rising to yeah. that power with Kingpin back in season one of Daredevil, where yep. we're getting an episode that's telling us why Davos is the way he is. You know, it, it's that same heartbreaking moment that you had with Kingpin having to kill his own father when he was a kid uh, back in episode seven, I think, of, of uh, season one of Daredevil. This moment with Davos is you realizing that his whole life he was brought up this way. Why is he? Why would he believe any different? He was told by his mother that his entire birthright has been taken away by an outsider. So it makes total sense. Sympathy for the devil. Yeah. It always works. Or sympathy for the devil. Exactly. So following on from John's point about bonding, let's move on to our own point, number three. Derek, do you want to tell us a bit more about the Daughters of the Dragon going on the hunt for Danny? Yes, yes. Misty and Colleen teaming up again. Uh, it's really good to have these two characters together. We, we saw them last episode. Great that Misty stayed in here. It's not like, you know, a day later and... Colleen's been left with a note saying Misty's disappeared or going to have to go back to Harlem. We've seen that in other series before. You know, we've seen these really heart to heart conversations between characters when you think next day, shouldn't they just call each other up and go for a coffee or shouldn't they call each other up and go, maybe we should do this. Misty's here for a while, right? So go for coffee. It's that kind of relationship, <laughs> is it? It might be. It might be. But something that is kind of cleared up from back in uh, Luke Cage that I want to speak about to begin with is that we hear from Misty, she is offered the job of becoming captain, something that was kind of an open question at the end of Luke Cage. We thought she was being uh, primed for a leadership role within the Harlem PD, but this is definitely captain, she says. And the reason she's able to spend some time over on this side of the city, over in Chinatown, is because, well, she's taken a few days off to think about whether she wants to take that next step, that leap in her career. Nice to get these points cleared up because it does feel like these shows are even more connected when you do that have a little point from one season and drop it into the next season, right? But even though she's been tapped for captain of Harlem PD, what's interesting is seeing her take a bit of a backseat to Colleen, because this is Colleen's territory. We see that Colleen is in, is the one in the lead. She's the one that brings the fingerprints to Ward because she has that connection. This is how she's going to find out who this Mary character is and find out more about her, is because Colleen has all the connections here. Missy's going to give her some guidance. She's going to be the guiding hand for her as to how to do a general investigation. But Colleen's going to be following the rules that Missy's laid down, but she's going to be in the lead of this investigation for Danny. I think that's a really interesting partnership that they've created there. Yeah, I think this is really good. It's like, it's so natural. I mean, even just down to the fact that, you know, you, you get to learn that Misty is running background checks before <laughs> she goes on a date. And she's also taken care of Colleen's side of the pavement or the sidewalk, as she says, and, you know, running the background checks on, on Danny. Mm -hmm. It's really good. And I think as well, you really get to, to see Colleen and it really brings out more about her because she's not around Danny. 
And yes, they're very honest with one another, but Misty's her friend. And so mm. there's a different chit chat. There's a bit of different pitter patter. And, 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 you know, it's like we absolutely love Ward Meacham. You know, he's cheeky, chappy, extraordinaire that we all think is like a real nice scoundrel. Um, and, but for Colleen, it's difficult. And she's like, um, you know, she says this to Misty and you get a really nice moment when, uh, you know, Colleen's like having to go to him to get, you know, Rand Enterprises security to run these, these prints, mm-hmm. um, in order to like try and find out who, who Mary Walker is. So all these different moments are, are just really, really good. I think between these two, it, it kind of just adds this depth to Colleen and to Misty. Mm-hmm. Um, but away from Danny, because it's not about Danny, it's about Absolutely. Colleen and Misty. Uh, it really adds that depth. But did you see that look that Misty gave to Ward? She definitely wanted a cup of coffee with Ward, didn't she? Until she saw <laughs> the face on Colleen just going, no, actually, maybe you want to steer clear of that guy. Well, <laughs> you see Misty kind of going, well, I trust your opinion, actually, Colleen. <laughs> what is she going to do with that Maserati arm to Ward? Um, <laughs> that's what I would say. Um, yeah, it was certainly a bit of sexual tension there they were both giving it the old wink wink nudge, i think nudge, i think he goes smile in, smile i think he goes into misty's inbox of background checks to check right <laughs> isn't that the, isn't that what happens she kind of goes oh i like this guy he's a millionaire he seems kind of cheeky grand right he's on the list to do background checks and we'll see if we go out for dinner on saturday yeah, yeah. i've never heard it called that before <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think um it, it's just really really good i mean the whole thing between misty and and ward with the the maserati arm just so cool and again you know it just brings out this relationship between uh colleen and ward who you know ultimately colleen's trying her best to actually like this guy because she Mm -hmm. thinks he's a bit of a douche really yeah so really good yeah i i really like this and i i I like how they continue there's a partnership there, but we do see, as you said, Missy taking that back night. I love the humor. I love the 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 tension between Ward. I love the Maserati joke. Mm-hmm. And then I, I love even more when they get in the car and discuss and joke about the Maserati. Uh-huh. I love running background checks as murder on the sex life, but it's fantastic <laughs> on the numbers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For the That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love these two characters. I did enjoy when they got to the site uh, of the fight in the club. Mm-hmm. You see, Miss even goes, she's my CI. Yeah. So she's good. She's in. And then we do get what I think is the most, again, really a nice piece, which is they mentioned the red glowing hand and Missy doesn't even crack a could it be Danny? She understands that no, it's not Danny if it's red glowing. So she's acclimatizing to super. She's acclimatizing to the weird dragon stuff and mythical stuff mm-hmm. when she is in Danny and Colleen's world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I like, I, I'm liking that. It kind of it does feel like that. This is how their relationship would work. As she said last episode, every time around, you two guys. Everything just goes weird. It feels like she's kind of rolling with it a little bit because yeah. she's gotten to know Colleen a little bit more. She's kind of trusting Colleen and she knows that Colleen needs a bit of a friend right now. So that's the kind of relationship you want with Misty, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just great seeing Colleen and Misty, you know, sort of really talk about, um, Colleen's life and the fact that she's stepped away, you know, having the jokes, um, you know, really opening up about, you know, I suppose Colleen's now extended, 
family with uh, with Danny and, and Ward. You know, the two of them really connecting in on, you know, what could be a useful little uh, segue into Daughters of the Dragon in that, you know, Misty absolutely trusts her with um, uh, her instinct with regards to uh, investigation. So, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but, of course, that instinct leads on to our point number four Mm -hmm. uh, which is wake up sunshine because this is really mary being floodlit as to who she really is Mm -hmm. you know for these people like colleen and danny that have met her previously and and it's great i i really do like it even just the opening up where she takes danny from the warehouse after that ritual you know she's been filming uh, the ritual, she films him, uh, as she kind of revives him with adrenaline so that it's proof for joy and going to joy to really kind of finalize that contract. Yeah. Uh, was really good. And I mean, again, joy here, her reaction to that video. And, and I think her reaction as well. Um, once she's back at the dojo, it's kind of interesting. You know, she, she obviously still has feelings for Danny here, judging by, you know, the pain that he's gone through, the way he looks, you know, he's all beaten up. He's got that massive uh, wound on, on his chest. And, and I, it's just uh, really interesting. You know, is she regretting what she's doing? Mm. Um, Who knows? But I, I really like these scenes with Murray and Joy as well. You know, for several reasons, I like the idea that Murray walker warns joy about davos yeah and i really enjoyed that you know when they're talking about it she goes you know you can hire me um you can give me another contract i i can protect you if you don't want to run if you don't want to run from davos because you want to build your life now free of him you need to eliminate that threat and just how you know joy would say what i think we all would is like well eliminate has connotations and she's like (laughs) No, it doesn't. It means exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. You know, eliminate. Uh, Do you want to be protected? Do you want to feel safe? Or do you want this crazy Conlunian coming after you? uh, Because, yeah, you've effectively let him into your life Mm -hmm. and gotten way too close uh, in in this whole Danny Rand affair. So, I, I really like that. I like that interaction between the two of them. It's kind of like the the opposite of Misty and Colleen to some respect. You know, not as well developed, I, granted, but it's kind of like the evil version of it. Yeah, a bit. yeah, I can see that. The daughters of the death. Ooh, look at you. That's nice. The daughters of death. Yeah, that's really good, John. Good stuff. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this section. I love Joy's reaction to the video. I think that's you can really see that. Oh, this is starting to go too far. Yeah, this is this is now getting into territory where it's gone beyond. She wanted to hurt Danny, but not that level of hurt Danny. And now she knows that. And I think that's that section where she just goes into the sits on the bed and starts crying. I was like, oh, stop making me empathize with your villains. <laughs> But Netflix are good at man, you know. <laughs> I know it kills me every time. But it does. It feels. It feels a little bit like that moment where she's done that college prank, going, "I wonder what will happen if I poke and prod this guy, Danny, until he's crying in a corner." And then she <laughs> sees him crying in a corner and goes, "I didn't want that to happen," you know. It feels like that. I love the contrast between that and Mary's reaction to it, where she's going, 
Well, I thought you'd want to see the video immediately because you're paying me a lot of money for this. So here's the video. Have a look at the video and then I can delete it and then I can take my money. You know, it's that real contrast between the two characters. Mary being so dispassionate because, well, she's just doing a job for a client. And then she offers, as you say, John, another job that's even more ag- aggressive. She's going to go and kill an Iron Fist now if Joy's willing to pay the money. You know, it's, it's quite a difference of opinion. And she nearly killed an Iron Fist already. So what we see is Danny left bleeding Mm -hmm. to the point where Rhino's gang kidnaps him and they're like, yeah, you're that guy. We're going to try and sell you for some cash. Yeah. $500, 500. And he raised on $500 for Danny Rand, the billionaire. But that was (laughs) the the bit. I was like, why didn't he just go? No, look, I'm Danny Rand. Take out your phone. Google me. I'll take you to an ATM. Well, he did. And they went, no, no, we want cash. We want $500 cash <laughs> from your wallet right now. And he's going, uh, you found me beaten on the, on the docks. How the hell do you think I'm going to have $500 in my pocket? You know? If only Rhino's gang knew who they had. About Google. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah exactly. It's like, Google doesn't reach everywhere, Chris. $500? What? Do you not recognize this guy? $500 million, Rhino. $500 million. But there is a moment that I absolutely love in this as Misty arrives, pointing the gun at these kids going, NYPD, and they go, oh, you're here for your friend. $500 and you can take them. And Misty goes, what part of NYPD did you guys not understand? What, are you going to shoot us? Yes, that's the point. <laughs> really, can good. I, that's Misty Knight. Can I just quickly ask as well, in saying... Five hundred million dollars. Have I just done a Doctor Evil? A there? Yeah, and I should have yes. done five hundred billion dollars. <laughs> I really feel that this part, these scenes, was literally just for that joke, mm-hmm. and also just to strengthen BB kind of his relationship with Colleen. Yeah, yeah a little bit more. Definitely. A little bit more. I think what I what I said uh, after watching this episode, or watching a couple of the episodes, I think there's a couple of characters that are in the show that are probably there to bring in other people that have never watched the show before, really, you know, and, and BB and the young kids in the street, they might come across differently to other audiences. I really like the interplay in here, and I like the fact that they're being used for Misty Knight to be able to have a moment, you know, because you need her to be Misty Knight with the kids of the street. You kind of have to have that moment. You kind of have to have Colleen being able to go outside of Danny and his money and his business and influence to be able to get information from people on the street. So these kids work really well for me, but I do think they could be the ones that will have questions asked about them when the show gets released to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah they just need to throw in the odd word of Snapchat filter and then it would have been perfect. <laughs> They're not that bad. Wow. Uh, it's <laughs> <Awful>. true. <laughs> These kids don't have phones, right? These kids are living underground trying to get food together. They're, they don't have, uh, don't have any heat. They don't have any food. This is why Colleen has been trying to get them to go to her shelter to get that kind of stuff to keep them alive so they don't go to a life of crime, right? So they're not kids that are sitting around on their iPhones trying to rob money to buy a new pair of Nikes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh-huh. So no Snapchat. Maybe something else, but no Snapchat. But we do get our usual season bit where no, no hospitals, no Mm -hmm. hospitals. As always. (laughs) We had the collective gasp, all of us going, is Claire going to come? Are we going to get our night nurse? But no. No. We basically, we get Misty saying Claire's not available. Yeah. And then we get Ward bringing Bethany. It's great. She's an anesthesiologist. She's not going to be the new night nurse because at the end of this, I'm wondering, we know she's no longer Ward's sponsor. Yes. But is she even now still Ward's 
girlfriend or whatever they were classifying their tryst as after <laughs> that scene on the bed. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I like I like her for him. I like her for what she's bringing out in that character. Mm-hmm. But it really gets us to that next scene where we get Ward's character growth. And that's mm-hmm. our next point. So we'll kind of talk about that in a minute. But without her, we don't get Ward's character growth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the first time we've heard Bethany's name, right? Bethany, the, his sponsor from the uh, NA group that he's been that, that he's been in. I can't remember whether we heard her, her name in the first four episodes, but it is good to see her. And I do love that moment where she just stands up and goes, I know you think this is a really good idea, but if this ever happens to any of your friends again, don't ever call me. <laughs> I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm, I'm not a nurse. I'm not going to be your new night nurse. Okay. <laughs> really good. Really good to have that. It is. You're right. It is our only, the first time hearing her name. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. It was great. That scene. What I'm really interested in is the next part of that scene, which is Mary versus Colleen and Misty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What did you think? Really good. Um, I loved how Colleen and Misty teamed up. You know, I mean, Misty got a massive bashing there from, from Mary. She's ex black ops that they, they find out. Um, I think the one thing is that I do like the fact that even though Mary was, you know, really hard ass, she certainly defended herself against Misty with the gun. She pulled out a machete, was going after Colleen. Um, I kind of thought Colleen really went toe to toe with her. Actually, yep. it, it was yeah. kind of misty, probably with her regular police training. Dare I yep. say it? Um, that probably just couldn't match a, a, an ex black ops. Whereas Colleen, being you know super duper kung fu fighter, kung fu fighter, exactly. Uh, having been a pupil of the hands that you know she she kind of did hold her own a bit better against mary but the fact that mary is so hard ass badass in in his fight i love the fact that when they're at the door and they say nypd open the door as it pans to joy you see mary legging it into the bedroom (laughs) because you know ultimately you know she's been very clear to joy is that you will have no recollection of me this is where we cut all communication all contact delete the stuff from your phone blah 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 and so it it, there, there was a slight comedy moment as mary pegs it past joy to to get into the room yeah um but nonetheless I loved that. I thought it was really, really good. And I do like the moment where Mary is fighting with Colleen and Colleen goes, Mary, you know, it's like, and she goes, no, baby. No. <laughs> um, very cool. Very different character here. Definitely. Uh, one other tiny touch I loved in this fight, just that moment where the camera hangs as you see Misty smacking into the, the bedside table and smashing the lamp in the bedroom. I don't know, it just added some dynamism to that moment. It really felt like Simone Missick had been thrown right across the apartment into this. You see the power of Mary in that moment. And as you say, I think the only reason Misty was able to go a little bit more toe-to-toe is because of her arm as well. I think she's able to block a few punches just purely because of the arm. If she didn't have that, she'd be on the floor in seconds, you know? But really good fight. No, I, I, I really enjoyed it too. So, gentlemen, I think it's time to move on to the final point for this episode Mm -hmm. aren't we all just chasing the dragon (laughs) 
Uh, gentlemen, this was just amazing for me. I loved this scene. I, I did get a, a bit of South Park, the, the dragon chasing game where they were talking. They had a video game about chasing the dragon yes. to and heroin. I, I, I got that. But I did really love this because it kind of confirmed our conclusions. Or should I say, sorry, John, it confirmed your conclusions that Danny's was losing control. Uh Always and the actual Shaolau, or well, we can assume it was actually Shaolau, but the the presence of the dragon is filling him with rage, it's turning him into a monster, uh-huh. and that becomes the question for me. Before I even kind of hand it up to you guys for your thoughts, the question for me is: What happens when you give the rage of a dragon to someone who? does not have the control of the Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's really interesting here because Danny says to Ward, um, I was off center. And he says the same thing about Davos as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I find really interesting. And um, yeah, he, he, he talks about that he wasn't centering his chi, that he was effectively just burning it up. Yeah. It is interesting with this, loss of his chi and the iron fist is that i suppose at the moment we are assuming that it's kind of transferred in some way to davos and um, yeah, directly <laughs> but at the same time it may not fully have gone from danny rand in that he doesn't necessarily to, need to do the same ritual to davos to get it back or or a different ritual or or something like that, but that he can build it up again. I don't know. I, I, oh, okay. I'm kind of speculating there a little bit. It feels as, like it's gone. It yeah, feels it, like he's lost the Iron Fist power completely. He's just back to being a kick-ass martial artist again. It, it does, absolutely. But I, I'm just wondering, because the, there is that kind of thread within Iron Fist and, and some of the stories were the loss of it is more about him. And and we saw that in season one to an extent. And I'm just wondering if, you know, because this is a different glow to it, it is a reddy orange rather than a Mm. yellow. So, and that could just reflect in terms of the, the personality, obviously, you know, it's, it's an evil glow. I feel like that's coming from the fact that he took it rather than. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I love the fact that they bring Murray and Joy back to the dojo. Uh, here whilst you know you've got ward babysitting danny and they're having this really great moment between these two guys um and ward effectively seeing you know having that moment where he sees uh you know that similarity with danny about that addiction to what he was doing for danny it was using the chi going to that place where he can just burn it up effectively uh, and in the same way, Ward is burning up lines of coke yeah. on, on a desk. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting, isn't it? And one of the things that I heard from our friends over at the Immortal Iron Fist podcast when they were talking about season one and the things they wanted to see in season two, the huge fans of Iron Fist. And one of the things they were commenting on was Iron Fist doesn't use his Iron Fist to fight against every single person he battles. He doesn't need to. He's a kick-ass martial artist. He can easily take out street thugs just by using his martial arts. What I like about this is they found a way in the show to justify him using his Iron Fist a few times in the first three episodes and then say, do you know what? You are totally going overboard using that all the time. That's an addiction. You're using it for things you don't need to use it for. It's a really good way of of 
keeping the character centered in his comic book origins and being able to use the Iron Fist a bit. In season yeah. one, they kind of said it was kind of an impotence thing. He couldn't get the Iron Fist going exactly when he needed to get it going. So that meant we didn't see it for most of the season. This time they've done it the opposite way around. I'm liking that too, but I think there may be a, an element of two sides to the Iron Fist, two sides to the Shao Lao. Mm-hmm. You have the rage monster that is Shao Lao that feeds the Chi, and that's the red. And then you have the centered element of the Iron Fist that controls the Chi, that controls. So it's almost like the, the intelligence of Shao Lao. Mm-hmm. So you have the the will and intelligence shout out, and then the rage, and that's the yellow and the red, and that we're gonna find that Danny needs to learn to control, have stopped letting the rage control him. Now that's no longer there, so he has to learn to control the intelligence and the will and the, of shout out. Yeah, yeah. For me, I really focused on the L word between these two brothers. Mm-hmm. That was a fantastic joke, <laughs> just a giggle. Yeah. But it was more you heard Ward go brother. like, And you could see that they, the characters meant it. They're closer now than ever before. Absolutely. Absolutely. From this point onwards. like They are cut from the same cloth, but walk different paths, but they still have the same problems. And now they are bonded in a way that I think will be even more interesting yeah. throughout this season. Definitely. And I, I really like Ward saying to him, you know, every time you talk about that chi stuff, I kind of turn off. This time he actually listened to Danny and it gave him his first real breakthrough that he's had in trying to go into recovery. It's a nice moment. And yeah. also the fact that you hear Ward is also referencing what was happening with Davos. Davos never said the word love to his mother. He kept repeating the lines of, Maybe someday you can say the things that mothers say to their sons, or I can say the things that sons say to their mothers. This is exactly the conversation that Ward's having with Danny as well. So love the referencing back to it. Sepsa, really good. Yeah, and we do find that he's not just going to NA. He's been going to all the A's. Yeah, anything with an A. That's why it was so confusing to us earlier on in the season as to whether he was going to Narconics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous or anything yep. anonymous. It was he was going to all of them, really. <laughs> exactly. Well, enjoying time with the sponsor and all of them. Hope, well, hopefully just the one sponsor. <laughs> but, gentlemen, this brings us to potentially the, the, the most heartbreaking scene of the whole episode where we find that Ward was doing a lot of these steps so he could win his sister back. He could be the better man, be the brother, help himself out. And what we get is Misty and Colleen bringing Mary back. They they set the framing of the scene so it looked like Joy was just kind of walking in with them. And you see Ward get up and get really excited. And then they drop the bombshell that Joy was involved in everything. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, that was... Fantastic, because you can see Tom Pelfoy's face drop as the character Ward, as the sinks in. You even see Danny Tugri, like, that. you stabbed me? You did all this? You were yeah. involved? But just Ward's face, Ward's emotion on kind of visibly, it's like he's literally just been slapped yeah. hard. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. really good. It was. It was fantastic. And I, I do really think that Joy 
maybe she's still a bit uncompromising here as well, you know, because she kind of pushes Ward aside. He he does kind of think that this is the moment where she will drop her guard and she will forget about everything that's happened. And she doesn't. I think she's still quite resolute a bit. Uh, it's not to say that it won't change. Uh, and, and certainly when then she kind of turns to to Danny and goes, you know, I did this. I knew what he would do. I knew he would hurt you. And then she goes, Davos isn't done yet. Mm-hmm. But she's not saying sorry here. So, yeah. I mean, she's cold here in this moment. Um, and whether there will be any meaningful relationship between her and Ward, between her and Danny, who knows? I suspect there probably will be um, a warming. Uh, I'm sure that Davos is probably going to go absolutely crazy at her at some point, you know, or she's going to be put in jeopardy yeah. in, in some way. But at this moment in time, I'm liking the fact that the makeup wasn't here. She actually is saying, look, I've done this. I mean, because effectively she has been caught hook, line and sinker by the NYPD with someone who can be identified as having kidnapped and effectively tortured a billionaire. Yeah. Now, okay, I know that he's not going to press charges and all that because it lasts too many questions. But, you know, she is absolutely exposed here. And that's what I really like as well here is yeah. she's completely vulnerable uh, and yet she she doesn't say sorry. And she absolutely takes responsibility for everything as well. She says, this was my plan and Mary's only involved in it because of me as well. You know, it's not just that she's throwing the plan out there. It's that she's taking responsibility for the whole thing as well. Yeah. I think it's time we start wrapping up this fight. Do we have any notes for this episode? A couple of quick notes. Uh, from from me, if that's all right. Uh, the moment in the car with, uh, with Misty and Colleen, where Misty gets the call for a possible 616 on the phone, just because there's obviously some listeners that have various knowledge about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Comics Universe. Uh, 616 is known as the Marvel Comics Universe. So every time you see a reference to 616, it's always the Marvel Comics Universe. So uh, just to mention that, it also sounded a little bit like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. designation, where they call out an 084 as a we don't know what it is. <laughs> so the NYPD have a very similar kind of designation as well. Yeah, I, lo- I love that reference. Um, good catch, good catch. Yeah, the only note I've kind of really got here is that when she finds out that Davos uh, has the the Iron Fist, when Joy finds that out, um, Joy says that, uh, the phrase, every good boy deserves one uh, to, to Davos when he's come to the apartment, um, which... Seems to be a reference to the musical mnemonic, Every Good Boy Deserves Favour, uh, which is used by musical students um, to remember the notes of a treble clef. And we're just wondering whether there was anything in that. Not entirely sure, but that there could be some kind of um, hidden meaning mm-hmm. in, in Joy's kind of bit of sarcasm aimed towards Davos here. Yeah. Um, that maybe we're not sure of. Yeah. It's one of the earliest notes that a lot of musicians learn, the treble clef. It's one of the first things they learn. That this is at the point when they're still learning mnemonics to play them. So really want to know, I mean, know we have some big music fans out there. Is there anything she could have bent with that? Let us know when you send in your feedback to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Yes. Myself and my illustrious host, John, would do a quick deep dive into the background and comics origin of Davos in our next 
episode. Just want to kind of explain the differences, what we're seeing now from the birth and origin of Davos to the birth and origin of the Seal Serpent now in the TV show, because they are there. So, yes, as a little bit of a teaser, make sure you stick around at the end of the next episode and we'll give you that. But, gentlemen, on that teaser and cliffhanger. So, Derek, let's have you up first. Do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? Sadly, my voice is going from all the podcasting we're doing, so I'm going to have to make this really, really quick. Uh, I absolutely defend this episode. It's fantastic. A great episode, great character moments with all these characters, and I'm so excited for the next episode. Fantastic. John, would you like to elaborate on Derek's defense? Do you defend (laughs) this episode of Iron Fist? I really do defend this episode of Iron Fist. I give it five Disco Davoses out of five. (laughs) And if you spot there, I use the Danny Rand way of saying Davos. Davos. Yes. Uh, Disco Davoses. Um, Yes, the musical puns came aplenty, which made me laugh. Um, Murder on the dance floor. You look good on the dance floor. Splat on the dance floor. I oh, know that's not a musical reference. That was Mr. Ho of the Golden Tigers. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Just that opening where Davos has the Iron Fist. Fantastic. You know, we've seen him get the Steel Serpent uh, tat uh, on his back the, the in the episode before. And I think that any episode that makes, or any series that makes the antagonist you know the villain of the piece feel sympathetic uh really describes where he's got his drive uh from how what how and why he does things uh, and to see that also he does have emotion he has you know it's he's a kid that wasn't loved or had no outward love expressed to him by his mother uh that's kind of really what you're seeing here and it's very poignant and I, I think it was fabulous and that for me has set this episode apart from everything else so far i think as well with you know colleen anxious and worried about um danny who's missing teaming up with misty and um, having that Daughters of the Dragon moment where they're investigating uh, and having that connection with Misty again. I I feel this ramped it up from Luke Cage, to be honest, in Mm -hmm. in terms of really seeing these two characters together on screen. Um, And maybe that's because it's, you know, second episode of a good spell of these two characters together. Really, really fabulous. You know, and then there's Danny Rand. His day just goes from bad to worse but ultimately comes together with Ward babysitting him. Uh, and I really like that moment between the two of them. I really like the worry of Colleen and finally them coming together. And of course, Mary uh, exposed as the absolute born killer, or at least part of her uh, as that uh, born killer. Uh, and her with, with joy, I felt really kind of uh, mirrored in a different way what Colleen and Misty were doing. So this is, to me, a really great um, episode of Iron Fist. I absolutely loved it, and that's why I defend uh, to the highest level on my point-scoring system, 5 out of 5. Um, you know, 5 Misty Maseratis um, out of 5 as well. Nice. There we go. I really, really enjoyed this. 
Chris, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? Yes, I do. I was really impressed. This is sympathy for the devil. This is, as Derek said uh, midway through this episode, this is almost akin to the Kingpin episode of season one of Daredevil, Mm. where we're given empathy. It's not forced on us. It's actually given to us and we accept the empathy for Davos. We now understand where his drive, where his, his rationale for all this has come from. Um, and does it make him a bad character? Well, that's up for debate, but does it make him a better character? Yes, it does because he's fleshed out now and his rationale, his reasons for doing all this is really understood better rather than just vengeance. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy with that. Happy with the, the the growth of Ward. Happy with the explanation we have for Danny and his uh, him coming to understand it. Love the Daughters of the Dragon in it. So this season is still hitting all the high notes for me. It's nonstop action, nonstop growth, nonstop. It's just nonstop. <laughs> uh, and that's not a bad thing. I'm still slightly perturbed that we are now officially at the halfway point of this season. Mm-hmm. Really wishing they had us stuck with the same structure that had for all other seasons. But what can we say? We are now we're five down, five to go. If it keeps up this pace, I'm still going to be happy. Okay. Just a little bit upset. On that high note of an episode, on the five Misty Maseratis high note, and the highest John has given in a long time. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time to move on to some feedback. Now, because we are recording ahead of time, we have no feedback right now, but we're going to pop some in right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Luckily, we did get some feedback in, or else that bit from Chris wouldn't have made any sense at all. Our first piece of feedback is on episode three from our Facebook group. Selena Kisler says, asked and received more on Joy's motivation, but I still think it's misdirected. As you mentioned on the podcast, she has no idea how far out of her depth she was regarding her safety. I'm still bummed about Danny's relationship with Joy, but it was nice seeing him friendly and close with Ward. Colleen is awesome. Episode MVP, Jessica Henwick is owning this role. Yeah, completely agree there, Salim. Um, Joy's motivation um, is certainly misdirected. I, I really am with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Colleen Wing is awesome. I think, given that she's got MVP, she must play for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> well, she's excellent, but if she was playing for anybody, it'd be the Panthers, wouldn't it? No, the Ravens, definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Salim. Uh, got some more feedback in on episode four, John? Yeah, Robert Phillips says, Danny... Center your chi. Focus your clotting factors. Don't let them drain the iron fist from you. Seriously dark and foreboding episode. Character shifts. Near fatal attacks. Corpses fresh and dried. What an episode. Completely agree. Yeah, episode four was superb. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I did like uh, the freeze-dried corpse, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) That was pretty awesome. Absolutely. And if you want to see John's recipe for a Iron Fist, (laughs) pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast, and you'll see his recipe. Yeah, it's got a little bit of Nigella in there, naughty, naughty, Mm -hmm. as well as... Some old-school Delia Smith. <laughs> nice. Thanks for that, Robert. And we have a bit of feedback about this episode. A voicemail feedback from Logan. Salutations, my fellow defenders. I'm Logan Simmons, coming to you here 
with spoilers from Iron Fist Season 2, Episode 5. Um, wow. Wow. That's, that's my first thing that I can think of because, I mean, when Davos showed up in Season 1 and, you know, he, sh- he showed up with that, with that aluminum star that he had folded and I just kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, okay, this guy thinks he's a, thinks he's a badass and, you know, he really didn't say much and you know, his character was kind of just thrown in towards, I believe, the end of the season. But, wow, do I understand where he comes from so much more. I can, I can truly understand, you know, why he feels he's been robbed. I mean, give him this, the circumstances of the fight and give him how he just wants to make his mother proud. I can truly understand why he showed back to, or not showed back, but came to New York to find uh danny rand because hey he's the he's the iron fist he's you know supposedly stole that right from him and then he's not even protecting kun lun i mean geez what a loser right so i just wanted to say hats off to that and great character development with typhoid mary i'm a huge moon knight fan so you know the focus on different personality disorders is great and just want to drop my feedback all right guys thanks Thanks so much for your voicemail, Logan. It's really good to hear the voice of another one of our fellow defenders and a Moon Knight fan as well. So we've been really impressed this season about the way they've worked in DID into this show using Mary. So yeah, entirely possible they can pick this up for a Moon Knight future series, possibly. Yeah, thanks, Logan. And um, yeah, welcome, fellow defender, onto the podcast. Great to get the voicemail in from you. I completely agree. I think Mary is really really good um and certainly i just think she's getting better and better um it's so good and i think you're right i think you know we get such um a good exposition of davos and Mm -hmm. his motivations and i I think you're right you know it is a huge driving force that davos goes after danny because he's run away from kunlon he's not protecting kunlon yet he defeated him in a way that he sees as actually not abiding by the rules of the the challenge to get to fight Shaolau. Mm-hmm. He neither died nor yielded. And then, yes, certainly uh, he has multiple mother issues, I would say, uh-huh. going on. So, yeah, that, that need to be wanted and loved from a fairly distant mum is kind of really, uh, really good to see that side of Davos, definitely. She's even more distant now, depending on where Kunlun is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. But I think, as we said back in season one, Logan, you know, this character of Davos, we got really excited seeing him brought to the screen. It's like seeing Lex Luthor in a Superman film coming coming on screen, you know. Um, This is a big character for the history of Iron Fist. So having him in there at all is always really enjoyable. But yes, what they've done with him in season two has just made this character fantastic. Absolutely loved him in this episode. Really, really good. And thanks so much for the voicemail. I made a great bit of feedback over for this episode. We had fellow defender Claire Payne. A good Davos episode. I was very much enjoying the flashbacks of Danny and Davos. This episode had some great word moments. Loved how he got all smooth with Misty and his honest conversation with Danny about saying the L word before it's too late. The acting is definitely standing out as well in the as the fight scenes. A great short, not over the top fight between Mary and Colleen. Yes, Claire, absolutely agree with you on this Davos episode. Yeah, great Davos episode here in episode five. Um, I mean, to get that amount of empathy and feeling 
that emotional investment in this character who quite frankly is a crazy fanatic um i just think is so so good uh, and the flashbacks were uh, pretty pretty awesome uh, for sure i think it really gave you an insight into the davos of this series where he came from uh, and, and i think uh, as we have said in the podcast you know that moment of him and his mother separated by the door uh, is is phenomenal really good really really good a couple of reactions to uh, ward and uh, and misty possibly getting together as well lisa richardson says misty has far more chemistry with ward than with danny even though it's canon in the comic books uh, i don't see how they're ever going to get together in the netflix universe and rebecca hart echoes this saying they've more or less done away with a lot of canon in all of these shows so i think misty and danny can also go in the comic books those two characters are together and have been together for quite a long time they have a a long-standing relationship but it does feel like they're not going to go that way in the show Uh, obviously misty was a character that was brought into luke cage as a series not into iron fist so she had to have a whole arc before she ever met danny and so understandable why they're not going that way the colleen and uh, danny arc really is very central to this show it's pretty much the only show that has a couple at the center of it and it was created after Missy had already been on Luke Cage. So I uh, kind of understand it, um, but I think, yeah, I think they've kind of thrown that out in the Netflix universe. Yeah, I don't think they'll go down that route. I think this is very much a separate thing where they get to draw on everything that they want to, but they will take their writer's room by themselves. They'll mm-hmm. decide how they want to do it, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Their comics are nothing but you get the tools, play in your sandbox do what you will with them. And I think as long as you do good by the core tenants of the characters, which I have to say, a lot of these characters, core tenants are right on point. Uh, go, go wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's see how it goes for the rest of the season. Guys. <laughs> yeah, let's wait. <laughs> uh, some more feedback on episode five came in from Jim Carrey. First, not so excellent episode of the season. From the opening scene until at least halfway through, it felt over the top. About the first scene, the shout would precede the punch. The drum fanfare a bit much. No, way too much. Davis's march through the nightclub just too clean and dramatic. The reactions we've seen in the Luke Cage series would have much more of a pile-on than, hey, everybody, let's showcase Davis's kick-ass moves. Jim continues with, Joy's shifting emotions seem natural, and she's well aware of the stakes, although I, as an audience member, am not sure what else she and Davos had planned. Great story developments, characters, relationships, but felt less the presence of a red or yellow fist than ham-handed delivery. I like the references to the metaphorical dragon and how Ward, so out of touch with his heart, grabs onto that. I, for one, hope they do not show a dragon flashback. Glad they recognize the lack of meditation and centering. I don't want a ton of those scenes clustering up the show, like going to the bathroom and eating. I assume these are taken care of off screen. But its absence and effects were clear. An implied foreshadowing has them defeating Davos by provoking him to stay unbalanced, not in touch with his chi, and be consumed by the fire of the dragon again. I hope it's metaphorical. Thank you, Jim, for the feedback. Yeah, no, I mean, I loved the Davos punch through in, in the nightclub. It allowed me to be, dare I say it, puntastic um, with <laughs> various references to murder on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And I bet you look good on the dance floor. Um 
sometimes I think it's nice to have a bit of over the top uh, dramatic stuff, and, and certainly I did like seeing uh, Davos showcase um, his moves. I think the point of it was that he got them and then he immediately used them in a way that was controlled um, and in a way that he thought was justifiable, even if that meant it ultimately killed people. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think certainly that was what I took from it. I agree. I think with Joy, really good relationship with with Davos. And yeah, I'm really enjoying the character development and these relationships uh, within this season of Iron Fist, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, As to your point about the dragon, um, yeah, I don't want to see the dragon on screen, to be honest. I have no real need to see it. I think what they've done in the season, having it be metaphorical and having Danny being overcome slightly by the fact that he's using the dragon power very often, uh, seeing this with Davos now as well, potentially he will get consumed by this metaphorical dragon. But I did want to mention, because we didn't mention it earlier on in the season, that moment in the first episode where Danny's punching through the doors with his iron fist or taking control of his iron fist and practicing with it. And we see the eyes, the lights of the dragon behind his head. That actually echoes back to the end of season one of Iron Fist, which we didn't mention. It's it's a scene right in episode 13 of Iron Fist where the dragon's eyes are being represented behind his head by two red lights, exactly the same as episode one of this season. I wish I'd noticed it at the time because it just makes so much more sense that this is how they're going to represent the dragon on the show. But yeah, I don't need to see the fight with Shelley. They've referenced it enough now and done a really good job of giving us flashbacks to Kunlun like in this episode. Uh, so I feel like I'm satiated in my desire for that kind of history of Danny right now. You never know. Maybe they will do it. And if they do, hopefully it's wonderful. Well, yeah, it, it really would have to be top-notch, um, certainly. I, I certainly wouldn't be someone that says I wouldn't want to see it. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, whether there is the budget to do it proud it yeah. is something else, I think. I think we were clinging to it in season one because we hadn't seen any flashbacks to come on, so we thought... They might do that as their only flashback to be the fight, but they don't really need it this season. It's been cracking along at a really good pace so far. Yeah, so thanks so much, uh, Jim, for for the feedback. Mm -hmm. Keep it coming on in. Yeah, we also got another piece of feedback from Jeff Childs on this episode. He says, Davos has mummy issues. Danny has had the snot beat out of him and lost the iron fist, but Ward makes it about fighting his dragon (laughs) (laughs) such a great scene between those two i can't say it enough i know we probably said it a lot on the episode though but it is all about ward Mm -hmm. yeah and we also have some feedback from robert who says so the iron fist is stolen without a dragon to fight and for the first time we've seen danny doesn't correct someone assuming a metaphorical dragon to let ward begin to heal Mm. i'm a bit disappointed we haven't seen walker uh, have to gain control of Murray trying to break through, which makes me think Walker is the base. Mm. Interesting. My burning question now is where the Meachams will go with their redemption arc. And notice the four-woman battle scene in Joy's flat with no need for a man to rescue or be the demon. Yes, excellent point there, Robert. Great to see that uh, battle between Walker, Misty, Colleen and Joy, kind of. I think Joy was certainly standing back. I think she wanted to... Well, I think she had self-preservation really at the top of her um, sort of list uh, on that moment. She probably realises she hasn't really got the fighting skills, Mm -hmm. but she's certainly got... um, 
good grey matter between the old ears for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, really good feedback there, Robert, as well. Um, you're right, that moment where Danny doesn't correct Ward for the first time about the fact that he that he did actually fight a dragon, though it is an actual dragon. Uh, it does seem that Danny's just trying to let his friend, his other brother, kind of heal at the moment. He knows he needs it. So, yeah, really good points. And as always, great feedback. Thanks so much to everybody for their feedback. Yeah, thanks everyone for the feedback. Keep it coming on in. It's really good stuff. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What well, some great feedback we got. Thank you so much to all our fellow defenders who written into us over on Facebook, gave sent us some voicemails over in DefenderTVPodcast.com or emailed us in at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast. And we hope so, because we haven't gotten any yet, but hopefully by the time Chris has said that, we'll have had some feedback into the episodes. But if you haven't sent your feedback in yet, email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Yes, and of course there is our Facebook group over on Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash you guessed it, Defenders TV Podcast. But don't forget to spread the love of the Iron Fist, spread the love of the dragon, and don't forget to share the podcast. You can subscribe to us on all good and evil podcast catchers, so don't forget to rate and review us while you're there. But gentlemen, I think it's about time we close up this episode. Mm-hmm. We will be back very soon with episode six of Iron Fist season two, the dragon dies at dawn. Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. Who's going to die? Which dragon is it going to yeah. be? Will we see Shaolau? Who knows? Is it metaphorical dragon or literal dragon? More likely to be a metaphorical dragon. <laughs> this episode was Heart of the Dragon. It was Danny's heart being passed on to Davos. So I think our dragon in this series is the Iron Fist itself. But... We will find out very soon. Really looking forward to talking about that one, Defenders. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yes, thank you very much, and we'll speak to you soon. As always, fellow Defenders, thank you so much for listening. It has been a pleasure. I think this is where I say the L word. But after we find out what happens from that awkward silence, uh, we'll be back to speak with you again soon. Bye. Love you. Absolutely. Point number one for this episode. Davos goes, goes, he goes, yes, that is kind of clubbing. I danced to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Point number one for this episode. Davos goes clubbing. I like that name, John. Thanks for that one. <laughs> uh, great opening for this episode. We have the red hot fiery fist of Davos pointing th- I like the sound of love. (laughs) I said nothing. I just I saw your eyes. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'll kind of close out this point kind of saying if a particular scene could get an Emmy for emotional impact. Yeah. I what? Reminder, that's the third seed this year that you've said that about. I know. <laughs> I like, I, I'm going to put them all up against each other. <laughs> that's your outtake. Uh-uh. We're going to have our own defemies. <laughs> <laughs>
The Femmies. No, that's it. The Femmies, yeah, yeah. Or The Femmies. Yeah. I like Femmies, it. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. We could have a fourth one this year from, from Daredevil as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And this is really kind of that uh, uh, awakening of Danny, of um, of Colleen, uh, and I suppose of Wissy as to who this person really is. Um, and it's a great start. I think you called her Wisty there. Did I say Wisty? Wisty! Wisty! Ah, whiskey. Mm. Um, 